Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. Hello, I'm your host Chris Sands, and this is the Uncapped Podcast, live on location at the Crooked Crab Brewing Company. I'm here with, sitting with the Executive Director of the Brewers Association of Maryland, Kevin Attics. And we just wrapped up a BAM meeting where we are given an update on the state of the legislation as it applies to the brewing industries. Um, and Kevin was nice enough to stick around afterwards to give all of us an update of how things are going. And um, so thank you very much for your time, Kevin. Happy to be here. And thank you for your ongoing coverage of this issue. And, and thanks for, for sticking around after the meeting. So... We over the weekend, I think the the Maryland craft beer enthusiast community kind of got uh, maybe a little down in the dumps because we were hit with the news late Friday that 518, the Comptroller's bill that was going to well, a world without limits. We we're going to bring the craft beer industry in step with the rest mm-hmm. of the country and finally be on a level playing field. But it, it received a non-favorable um, recommendation from the House Economic Matters Committee, committee so that was killed. However, at the same time, at least the, the rollback bill, 1052, was withdrawn. So right. we're at least not going to step, we're definitely not That's going to take news. a step right. backward. Right. So while fi- losing 518 hurts, 1052 being gone is a, a reason to celebrate. Um, but I think what a lot of people maybe don't realize is that the BAM introduced bills are still alive and there's still a chance for some positive to come out of this legislative session. So if you could give us an update on how that's going and where we sit right now. Well, sure. Yeah. But before we get to the best kept secret of the session, which is the BAM six pack of bills that you mentioned, I, I will, I do want to start by saying that, that 518 um, you mentioned it was the world without limits, and it was uh, the result of the Comptroller's Task Force last uh, summer and into the fall. Um, it, it was the one-and-done, be-all-end-all, pass this bill, and Maryland has advanced to the head of the pack. Uh, we are 47th in the nation right now in terms of per capita um, intake of beer, and we're bringing in more craft beer than we're uh, selling from our own producers, which is unfortunate, um, and and we're kind of a rare craft beer state that's still importing more craft beer than we're producing. Um, so, so so the the 518 was the ideal bill to pass, and I think what you you know if if, if you I know you attended and there were other people you you weren't there, but there were other people who who clearly documented the angst about that bill was largely focused. On, on how it came about and who was supporting it, to the point where I'm not sure that the issues were ever really discussed. Um, there, were, there, were, there was a counteroffensive by opponents of the bill and op- opponents of the comptroller that um, made it very difficult to even get to the topics included in the Reform on Tap bill. Well, yeah, because during the testimony, there was a lot of effort put into talking about everything except what was actually 
taking place. Right. Like, there was a, the the anger about how different legislators are being portrayed, yep. the vitriol yep. in their words it was spread personal. online, yeah, it was, it was. and their disdain for how the process went out, and, and then some people just blatantly, they don't like the comptroller. Yeah, yeah, which which is unfortunate, and, and I mean, you, you know, and I think a lot of your, your viewers and listeners know that, that the comptroller... Uh, was the first and 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 obviously the top state state elected official to come out supporting and vocally supporting Maryland craft beer reform and certainly when when things went south with 1283 last year um, uh, it, it was it was the comptroller that really came out swinging on behalf of the industry so the industry is is ha- has a lot to thank the comptroller for. Um, and it's unfortunate that, that so much of 518 and the angst around 518 focused on the comptroller um, because it, it, it's not about the comptroller. It's about craft beer reform. Um, and, and even to a further extent, small business, oh, job a- creation, absolutely. economic growth. Absolutely. And- yeah, and, and we've seen a lot of legislators, frankly, who you, you mentioned Facebook and, and, and uh, uh, just how, how they're being portrayed on social media. I don't think that a lot of them yet connect the fact that votes against these bills are votes against constituent-owned small businesses. I don't think a lot of them have even gotten to the point of understanding the industry or understanding the bills. And that's despite major efforts by our organization, the lobbyists we've retained, our brewers who have been down in Annapolis every Monday night during session and, and throughout during hearings and other meetings, um, breaking through has been incredibly difficult because of the angst around the comptroller, which frankly, um, you know, th- there's, there's a little bit of it, but I think the opposition to our bills uh, has used that and really hyped that and ramped that up and, and tried to make this issue about public safety and other things where, um, you know, here we are trying to expand how much we can do, and that's a public safety concern, Yet, name me a bar, name me a restaurant, name me a liquor store that has any limits at all, ever. And, and the legislators are being fed by our opponents that that's an issue for us. It's appalling. Yeah, and we talked about that last week where there are already laws in place that address that. Mm-hmm. You cannot serve an intoxicated person. Clearly. So, that kind Nor of... Nor would you want to yeah, as yeah. a business person. So... Your ability to be able to sell multiple people more isn't going to right. cause a public safety no. is because it's in their best interest to follow those rules and to only serve as much alcohol to an individual right. that is safe. Right. And and so and so foreseeing all of this and, and kind of hearing this angst early on, uh, BAM made the determination that we were going to submit uh, six pieces of legislation in the House and in the Senate that we just happened to be six, so we called them the BAM six-pack. And, and these really have been um, the, the best-kept secret of the session, um, partly by design, partly by just the fact that there's been so much fervor and, and angst about uh, 518 and 1052. But what these bills do, and they're pretty simple, they, they pick apart components of 518, distribution, taproom sales, um, production limits, uh, hours and the ability to um, uh, have a beer promotion fund, which would be money from our excise taxes going back into a, a fund to help with research, education, um, and promotion. Uh, 
What now, the, that one in particular, though, that was killed in the House, Well, it was right? killed in the House. But in the Senate, it was passed, passed by through. two committees. Yeah. Two committees. Not one, but two. It was, it was, it was assigned to two committees, and both gave it uh, near-unanimous uh, votes. So, so that's still alive. Um, you know, we're, we're still trying to figure out why it was killed in the uh, House. Um, it could be, it could be uh, angst from leadership about... The sponsor, it could be. It, it, there are, there are, yeah. unfortunately, with legislation, a thousand ways a bill can die and one way for it to pass. Now, so one thing I, I've, I don't, I've never understood, when there are bills in both the House and the Cross Senate, files. that do they talk to each other at all beforehand? Like, could it be that they just wanted it to go through the Senate first, or do they, do representatives and senators not? They generally cor- correspond, and so I know for our BAM six-pack, we were very careful to, to first of all, call out and, and invite to sponsor legislators in the House and Senate that, su- that, number one, supported the industry, and number two, had breweries in their district um, who's, who, you know, who would directly benefit from the bills that were being put in. So, so we did. We talked with, you know, if we got a House sponsor first, we talked with them about um, you know, he, here are the folks in the Senate that um, could potentially co-sponsor it, and there was some coordination there. Okay. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that that the bills are still alive. Um, they are all still alive, which is interesting. Um, we we had no idea what to expect, whether everything would die on Friday when 518 died and 1052 was withdrawn. Would the BAM bills also go down? And I I think I think the fact that they are still alive indicates that um, the leadership, the House, the Senate, realize that there are legitimate conversations that need to happen and that they hadn't yet happened. Yeah, so it, the, there's still, there's a decent reason to still be optimistic that there will be progress made this year because if, if they wanted to just kill everything, at least the House probably would have just killed all of it at the same and, time. And, and, they, and they could have, and they didn't. And, and I will say that, that um, the Comptroller's Bill, 518, just because of the nature of an agency-sponsored bill, um, it can only go into one chamber, and it can have no co-sponsors. So um, 518 went into the House. That left this void in the Senate. If you remember last year with 1283, 1283 originated in the House. The Senate never had a hearing on the original 1283. Yeah, they got to play fix it when it finally came over, but they but they didn't actually have an original hearing on that bill. So as 518 and our bills were being heard, and 1052 and 1316, all the bills were being heard in the House. We were Bam was over in the Senate with our lobbyists and and with 10 of our brewers having real meaningful hearings, 15 20 minutes apiece on the BAM six-pack bills. First time in 30 years that franchise law had been discussed in the Senate, and it was discussed for 20 minutes on our bills in the Senate. So we had really, really meaningful conversations in the Senate. Which is good to hear, because I I unfortunately, I think I got caught up in the drama. All all the house drama, yeah. yeah. And I watched... All what eight hours? And it was made for TV. Yeah, it it absolutely was. I could because my wife had even commented a couple of times, "Are you still watching that?" How and like it was actually it was one. I find it interesting anyway, but like it had that reality TV drama factor to it. It really did. 
Um, but I didn't watch any of the Senate stuff, so I didn't know until hearing you say it that there was actually a lot of positivity that came out of the Senate. Very much so. And, and, and one of the ways that we always judge how meaningful a bill hearing actually um, uh, was is when you, when you hear a senator or delegate ask questions. They're actually listening. If you looked at the House... The questions that came back were irrelevant to the testimony, Yeah. right? It was about public safety. It was about um, the comptroller regulating the industry. It was about, um, you know, you, you being... Mean Facebook posts. Facebook and posts and how hurt certain delegates were by um, how constituents were feeling about them. In the Senate, the questions that came back were about the rationale of the current justification of the laws and the limits in law. And what were we trying to do and what would that actually, um, how, would, how would breweries benefit? And what I really loved about the Senate hearings is that our opposition got grilled, which I think is, you know, a real That's mark good, of yeah. a, 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 a seemingly understanding committee. Yeah, because that did not take place in the House at all. Well, and, it, and it's, it's not to knock the House. I think it, it just never got to that point. Yeah. There were too many hurt feelings. Exactly. Was there was too much to get through. And, and frankly, the House ran out of time. I mean, it was, it was almost 10 o'clock when that hearing was finished. So the, what is the timeline going forward? The, or, I mean, obviously, it, sure. it could be anything. Yeah, but and, and it really could be anything. And, and you, you just attended our meeting, and we obviously prepped our members for the fact that anything could happen. So included in that is nothing could happen. We could have no bills positive bills passed this session. Um, we also let our members know early on that this is a multi-year effort. Um, we made it clear coming into this session that we wanted transformative change. We didn't want to come in the way that we've always come in, which is we ask for a half loaf and we get a quarter, um, which we've done for everything. Yeah. Distribution. Taproom sales. I mean, you know, the fact that the first time we came in for taproom sales, we asked for 2000 and we got 500 And then last three years as we've come in to try to raise that, the question is always, well, you don't use all 500 now. Well, we can't plan. We can't plan yeah. for it, right? And so there, we haven't been able to, up to this point, have those meaningful conversations. And this year, we started out by saying, all right, look, we want the laws to change in a major transformative way. We're not going to cut a deal. We're not going to we're not going to do incremental change anymore because frankly that has put us so far behind that we can't afford to do that anymore. It would be a disservice to our members to to cut some deal and and take, you know, x number of barrels here and x number of barrels there and these hours here. It, there's no policy rationale nor has it ever been explained or put forth. There's no policy rationale for any of these limits in law now. None. Because, <clears throat> unfortunately, the the competition from other states from Maryland is very real. We're a small totally. we're a small state. Yep. The border to a different state in every direction is really close, and their laws are attractive to work under. And, and, and our customer is is it's, we're in a very different market, and this is what what. Um, legislators are just coming to understand and retailers frankly don't understand it and wholesalers frankly just don't get it and that is our customer is transient our customer comes here to crooked crab in odenton and they tell stories and 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 have favorite beers from 
breweries right over the border in D.C. or Pennsylvania or Virginia or Delaware. And they wonder, why do you have to close at this time? And why are you only, you know, I heard on the news that you're only allowed to sell X number of pints. Um, and I hear that Virginia doesn't allow that. Why? There is no policy rationale for that. Yeah. There isn't. <clears throat> so, I mean, th those are the kind of, kind of conversations that need to have long form during session, after session, before session, during the elections. It's going to be a big topic during the elections. There's no way that this is not going to be a big topic during the elections. Yeah, because I think it's one of those rare issues where the general public is hearing a lot about it, not just the people who it's not are an passionate about, yep. about that topic. Yep. Yep. And, and when you think about it, just from a, from a grassroots advocacy standpoint, uh, brewers are in a unique position. They have an advantage. Number one, it's a great story. Number two, they're a public business. Wholesalers are not. Yeah. Um, number three, it is, a, it is a customer base that is extremely dedicated and, and is, is uh, activated to do something. There may be a few retailers in the state that have that kind of, you know, public base who's behind them and willing to stand up for them. But I don't know many liquor lotto shops in strip malls, which happen to be the base of power right yeah. now. I don't know that they've got that that um, same customer support. So yeah. I, I think, you know, it's part of our process is making sure our brewers realize that if, if they want transformative change, they need to earn it. Yeah, they don't have the thousands of fans that feel vested in passionate. The, their that are very passionate right. about their how they do and it's interesting we've seen in this in this fight we we haven't had any wholesalers come forth but we've had a couple of retailers come forth and publicly support transformative beer law change and go ask them what has this done to your business um, they've gotten a lot of business. They've gotten a lot of people supporting them, liking them, saying, next time in your area, I'm nowhere near you. You're not my local store. But the next time I'm on the Beltway and see your exit, what exit are you? I'm going to swing down and buy some craft beer. Right? They're, they're, I think they're realizing that the new economy is about mission and purpose and small business and local. And if they can benefit from it, um, you know, if, if these stores can benefit from it, you're going to start seeing more come out. Yeah, I think um, last week Carly Ogden made a good point about that is that it's really not that convenient to go stock up your fridge with beer to go to a brewery. It's right. a lot easier to go right. to, like, at least from my house, there is a half a mile away from me, there's a store that I can go to and buy stuff. Right. The closest brewery is five or so. I mean, it's still close, but right. if I'm just going to run out and get some stuff, I'm just going to stop at the my local beer and as I store. do all the time because that's that's where you go. It, the breweries, if you if you look at where breweries are located, they're usually not the most convenient, and they tend to be in places where manufacturing is allowed. Yeah, which is not where you can quickly swing by and get a mixed six pack. Yeah, so it, it doesn't seem to be an, a real pr threat to their businesses. Right. Is, is definitely not to the extent that it's trying to made out be made out to right. be. I, I, I've been I've been very excited to see um, folks like Whitey's Liquors and Hair of the Dog and other folks come out and, and stand up and say this is this is like come on guys this is ridiculous because on a six pack of Maryland craft beer we make more money 
<laughs> so how much of us are in business to sell mega beer? You're not going to see many hands. How many of us are in business to make money? Yeah, and make I, good business decisions to customers that value us and will come back. Hands should go up. Yeah, I would imagine that you have to sell a lot more six-pack of beer of cases Budweiser and cases. to equal a six-pack of uh, craft beer. So I had, I had on, on the morning of the hearings, the morning of the 518 and, and BAM six-pack hearings, I, had to, I, was, I, I needed to get two six-packs for an event later that night, a little private personal event, friends coming over, and no breweries anywhere nearby, so I stopped in a liquor store, a big liquor store. And I went in, they had a good craft beer section, I bought two um, six-packs of craft beer, I'm walking out, and I had the opportunity to take a photo of a young guy, I verified he was 21, who was walking out with a cart full of Bud Light, a cart full of Bud Light. 12 cases of Bud Light. Walk back, I, you know, we had a little bit of fun. I took some photos of it, and I walked back in the store, and I said, that, that just manager, tell me that 12 cases, how does that compare to craft beer? And he said, to make the same margin off of what I made on that kid, I would have to sell six, six packs of craft beer <laughs> versus 12 cases because there's this enormous downward pressure from Anheuser-Busch to keep prices low, yeah. right? And craft beer, it's 12, 13 bucks, a, 14 bucks a six pack. And we gladly pay it. And you gladly pay it, <laughs> as I did too. You know, he told me, and I, I, I did buy one more just to, I said, how many more <laughs> do I need to buy? And I didn't buy six, but. So, and it's really any day now, the vote for the, the rest of the six pack could take place, right? Well, pr procedurally, I mean, the, the session ends on, I think, April 9th. Um, so we've got between now and then to pass legislation. The reality is that every day that goes by, it gets harder to pass a bill because every bill has to be passed through both chambers, yeah. the House and the Senate. Neither the Senate nor the House have taken any action on five of our bills. Um, you mentioned the Beer Promotion Fund passed the Senate and it got killed in the House, so we've got a conflict there. But let's say that Senate bill passes over into the House, which it does today. Um, can, can the House take it up and pass it? Absolutely. So that could pass, no problem. Um, oh, that's right, today's crossover today's day. Today's right? crossover day. Now that doesn't mean that, that a bill that passes one chamber after crossover day can't pass the other chamber. It just has one more hurdle to get through a rules committee has to vote it out. Okay. But these, you know, there will be hundreds, if not more than that, bills that will get hung up after crossover day, yet make its way through and, and pass. So the best case scenario would be the rest of the six pack gets voted through the Senate today so that it can cross over or is... Best case scenario would be that, that the bills are voted. Uh, my hunch is that the bills will not be voted today. Okay. That, that if we have conversations, they're going to happen later this week. And, and look, I mean, we, the reason we put these bills in was to be a marker, right? Not knowing what was going to happen to 518, not knowing what was going to happen to 1052 and the other bills. We wanted to have our language in there to make sure that if an opportunity came, if the House or the Senate committee decided, okay, we want to do something. We've, we've heard enough. We want to do something this session, that there was a vehicle for them to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic about where things will head. I've, I've learned by now that, that anything could happen. 
And, you know, if someone wants this bill to pass, any of these bills to pass, they can pass. They can pass on the last day. But in, in the grand scheme of things, Maryland beer still is in a better place. It, with, with the killing of 1052, it's not going to step backwards. There has been noticeable uh, backing for the six-pack. So, so, so here's the good news. I mean, I, I think the good news is, as you said, 1052 is dead. Why is 1052 dead? Um, first of all, it's our, still our sense that it was put in there um, as a see, I told you. Yeah, it right? seemed like it was just a middle finger. Yeah, to you piss us anyone. off and we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Um, our industry made enough noise, and it was brought up numerous times during the, the, the hearing. We made enough noise about 1283 that I don't think a bill like that can pass again. Right. I don't I don't think a bill can. And I, I say this knowing that it happened last year. Yeah. But but I think we have established ourselves as an industry that you can't mess with. You may not change the laws today to make it better tomorrow. Um, but I don't think ten, I don't think a bill like 1052 will have legs in the future. Um, you know, our, our sense and you heard it in our our meeting that this is long term. You know, this, this is not a this year thing. This is a, this is a multi-year, if not um, generational effort. Yeah. Uh, it's the same efforts that, that we're going to go through that the retailers and wholesalers and many other industries have gone through for years. And while we may not be where we want to be at this second, there's still, there's a lot of forward progress made. A lot. And a lot of, a, a strong base built to build off of in, in, forthcoming years well and and part of it is that we had we had at least 30 of our brewers in annapolis on a regular basis throughout session thus far that's a level of engagement and activity and kind of kind of grassroots um engagement that we just have not had before so so look a lot of this is just a a simple fact the industry is young and uh if you look at at how we got to a point in Maryland, where it's so difficult to talk about beer law reform, it's because wholesalers and retailers have played the game for generations. And we're the new kids on the block. Yeah. And we've got a lot of old legislators, many of whom are retiring, so there's an opportunity to, to get new voices and, and new opinions into those chairs in the, in the fall and into the spring next session. So, so the... The future looks bright. Well, I would say Great. definitely the future looks bright. I, I, I think to, to your point, uh, the fact that 1052 was withdrawn was an incredible feat for our industry. And I, and I think that going forward, you know, it, it's not so much about whether you pass this bill or that bill. Um, it, it's about the sense of the industry and the industry's stature in Annapolis. And that's, frankly, that's a lot of what we had to reckon with this session is so many legislators were hurt by what was said about them by us and by the comptroller over the last six months. And once we get past that, we can start having conversations about the issues again. So what is the, what uh, would you ask of us, the craft beer enthusiasts, what can we do to be the most helpful? Well, look, the first thing is, Keep, keep supporting the brewers. Keep going to local breweries. Keep buying local beer. Um, second thing is uh, it is election season. So the chances that, and there's a lot of turnover. A lot of delegates are running for Senate. 
Uh, a lot of senators are retiring. A lot of uh, delegates are leaving to go run for county council. So there's an opportunity. There, there's a good chance that you're going to have your door knocked by someone who's running for office. Uh, don't hide. Don't turn out the lights. Open the door. <laughs> actually talk to them. Yeah, actually year. engage them and, and say, among your other issues, you know, if you care about education, ask about that. If you care about social reforms, ask about those too. But ask the question because this will put it on their radar. If they hear it two or three times, it'll become a major issue for them. What's your position on beer reform, on brewery reform, on small business reform, on manufacturing reform? And if they've read the news in the last six months, they'll know what you're talking about, and they may even have an answer. If they have no idea, hold them to it and say, get, please get back to me. Here's my name, my number, my email. My vote counts on your answer. So let me know what you think about comprehensive brewery reform. So that's um, and make sure you're registered to vote. It's, and it, it does help it, for that you're many a voter. many reasons. You should be <laughs> registered are, to vote, but this will reasons, definitely yeah. um, when when you are reaching out to legislators, they they often do check to see if you are <laughs> if you're a voter, if you matter to them, exactly. if you're in their exactly. district. Exactly. And if, look, they they should do that to to separate the wheat from the chaff. They they should do that, and you should be registered to vote. Yeah. So. Um, Thank you very much for yeah, the update. Um, and thank you for all you do to help the craft beer industry. Well, I, I appreciate that. And thank you for what you do. You, you've provided a great forum this past session to, to hear uh, all sides of the issue. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.